0: Welcome to the NOLA Drink Show. Join us as we explore the world of drink,
1: food, and culture in New Orleans and beyond. Here's your host, Brian Diaz.
0: All right, everybody, hey, welcome to the NOLA Drink Show. Brian Diaz here with you. Thanks for joining me, friends. Yep, here on... Uh, what? what where, where are we at? Hmm, we are at episode number two here in 2024 on the program, And it's a really interesting yet somewhat bittersweet show, I suppose, that we're bringing to you today, or this time around, I guess I should say. Uh, We're talking, here's the good part, we're talking beer pairing, and we've talked a lot about beer, of course, on the program in years past. If you're a regular listener, you know that. We've taken deep dives into all kinds of subject material. We've talked about different styles of beer, different categories of beer. We've talked about the economics of beer. We've uh, looked into water we've looked into barley we've looked into brewing techniques i mean all kinds of stuff there's a whole host of of content out there on the nola drink show as it relates to beer but one of the things that we've never really done uh extensively we've certainly touched on it here and there is talking about food and beer pairing and you know a lot of you know out there already that food and beer pairing is uh as legit as anything else, as wine or cocktails and such. But maybe a lot of you out there actually don't know that or haven't explored it too much. And that's kind of what this episode is about. Uh, We welcome uh, my good friend, Chef Richard Papier. And Richard used to run uh, Aranya. He was the uh, chef owner of that fine establishment, was located on uh, Magazine Street uptown in New Orleans. He's now a a consulting chef or chef-in-residence for U.S. Foods. Uh, And he's just a good buddy of mine and a super talented chef and a veteran of the restaurant industry. So he's there to provide some perspective. And then this will kind of get to the bittersweet part. We actually taped the show uh, at a brew pub, which is also uptown in New Orleans on Oak Street, called Calliope Beer Works. Now, sadly, and this was reported by Ian McNulty uh, in the Times-Picayune and in other places, uh, Calliope Beer Works is closing. It's a really, really tough environment, friends, as we know, out there for restaurants and hospitality spaces and such uh, in New Orleans and everywhere, and the situation is the same for Calliope Beer Works. The uh, brewer and proprietor, Rich Sidlow, uh, just announced uh, this week that they're going to be shutting down. Depending on when you hear this show, we're taping this on uh, Friday, March 23rd, Uh, but the last day is Saturday, March 24th, so if you're interested in getting in there, uh, they're clearing out some pints, I think, for five bucks a pint, something like that. Uh, and they're located right at the top of Oak Street, almost to the Jefferson Parish line. Uh, we thank Rich very much for his hospitality, and we certainly wish him the best in his future endeavors. And, again, that's the bittersweet part, right? Um, it's tough, man. It's it's just tough sledding these days for places like that. It was a very fine brew pub. They had a really nice menu uh, going on, and I'm just sad to see that, that they're closing. Now, that being said, there's a lot here in this particular episode that you're still going to get from this, right? We talk about general categories and styles of wine. We certainly use Rich's beers as kind of a... Guideposts, if you will, to discuss different ideas for food pairings. But the vast majority of the show is stuff that's sort of universal to pairing beer and food. We throw around some ideas for different pairings that might work with particular beers. Why beer works great, just in general, as a food pairing partner. Uh, so you know, just because Calliope Beer Beerworks is no longer around or about to be no longer around, doesn't mean that this show is still packed, not packed full of all kinds of useful information. If you're interested in beer, if you're interested in food, and if you're interested in pairing the two. Got a couple uh, other shows that are actually just already in the can, taped them recently uh that you're gonna want to catch. I'll talk about that after we do our featured interview here uh with Chef Richard Papier and Rich Sidlow. We're gonna take a little break here on the Noah Drink Show, friends. Come on. <music> All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Brian Diaz here with you. Thanks for listening into the Noah Drink Show, friends. Happy to have you here as always. Yeah, you know that. And uh, happy to be here for the first time that I've ever been here. We're here at uh, Calliope Beer Works or Cali. Well, it's Calliope Beer Works. We're just having this conversation. <laughs> but uh, your T-shirts, Rich, uh, we're here, sitting here with Rich Sidlow. And I'll get to Richard Papier in just a second. But, uh, Rich, your T-shirts say.
1: Say, say, say it how you want to. Say- uh, we, we know that New Orleans has a uh, uh, little way to say it. Say it either way, um, I named it Calliope Beer Works after the Muse of Music, uh, which is pronounced Calliope. So that's how I say it, um, but I know how uh, New Orleans is, so we figured we'd own both versions, and our t-shirts say, say it how you want it. And, and
0: they're spelled the same, so it's convenient. Right. You didn't have to pay double for the printing <laughs> right. on that. Well, very cool, and uh, we're also joined by uh, Chef Richard and hey, my buddy. How you doing, man? I'm
2: doing great, man. How you doing, Brian?
0: It's uh, good. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah, I mean, the last few times I've seen you, we've just been out uh, judging food and drinks lately.
2: Yeah, yeah, just uh, be, being critics and, uh, uh, you know, praising those who are, who are doing great food out there.
0: Yeah, right on. And tell us tell us what you're up to because, I mean, you've been in, a, uh, we're in the restaurant business for a really long time, but you're doing something a little different these yeah, days. Yeah, after
2: about 30 years of being in the restaurant, uh, being a restaurateur, uh, I went along and got a job as a corporate chef with U.S. Food. They call us food fanatics. And it's uh, you no, know, it's a it's a fun job. Basically, you know, our job is to go in and help people with their menus and find the right products uh, and help them with their pain points and you know make their 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 good food great.
0: That's pretty cool, and yeah. you're and you're working more normal human hours. I yeah, think, right? yeah,
2: yeah. Like I see daylight. Uh, <laughs> I see people on the weekends. You know, it's a it's, it's
0: it's a fun job, and I enjoy what I do. Right on, very cool. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, man. It's Great been, to be back. Been, been, been been a while. So what we're talking about, folks, is you know I mentioned this at the top of the show. Uh, you guys, as we're talking about beer and food pairing, uh, we've done uh, lots and lots and lots of shows on beer over the years quite a few shows on pairing, actually, but never really focused on the topic of of beer and food pairing. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a lineup of Rich's beers here and talk a little bit about how they work with the food on Rich's menu in particular, because this is a restaurant as well. We'll tell you more about it. I'll kick that to Rich in just a second. But we're going to taste through some of these, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what goes well with the beers on his menu, and then Richard's going to chime in, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some other dishes that you might want to think about pairing with these different styles of beer. But uh, before we do that, Rich, tell us just um, give us the short version of Calliope Beer Works and how you got started. I know you mentioned home brewing, but you worked for a distributor for a while. And uh, Yeah. Stuff.
1: So I'm, uh, I'm from Chicago. I moved down here about uh, a little over eight years ago. And um, when I was in Chicago, I had a contract brewing company and we were kind of brewing the same I had beers out of the market, um, but I didn't have my own facility. Um but I was there doing the brewing and we had, you know, three different styles. I was kind of brewing those three styles over and over again. So um I kind of really missed the creativity of home brewing, the experimentation, the just, you know, general fun of kind of oh hey, let's try this, let's do something like that. Um and so uh when this opportunity came up, we're at uh, the end of Oak Street in the old cowbell space. And that's uh, what this was. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> and so um you know it's like wow i could fit a brewery in there and and i did and so we got a nice <laughs> little small three and a half barrel system it lets me kind of play and experiment do different things um you know keep a different rotation going on um and uh you know we've got our uh, basically neighborhood restaurant up here we've got a nice patio um, outside covered and a little beer garden with some umbrellas so um a little bit for everybody
0: cool and you said something really interesting to me rich before we started taping that um, you know, with lots of different types of beer, styles of beer, you can go to the store and pick up a, you know, a really good expression. Right. And so um, what, what your approach is, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, maybe making some things that you can't necessarily easily go find at the store, kind of taking maybe known styles and doing something different with them. Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah. kind of, I mean, I spent years bartending as well. So I okay. watched how people drank and, you know, when you go to a place that has, you know, uh, you know 60 beers on tap or something like that or all these bottles and these options people don't have to you know like oh I always drink you know a beat of amber it's like well you don't have to just drink a beat of amber like there's so many other things out there that are like it that you could try so I kind of was always trying to like nudge someone a little bit outside their box okay and so kind of when I when I brew that's sort of how I how I approach that is what's something that is, will be familiar to someone, but not something they've had. Okay. And that's kind of how I, how I like to, to think about it.
0: Now, you mentioned, um, being in, I mean, and having a a deep interest in, in food pairing. So when you are coming up with your beers, is that always in the back of your mind?
1: Um, so I generally brew more, uh, I don't want to say middle of the road, but uh, I don't generally brew a very hoppy IPA. And just for an example, the brew IPA that we had on tap to to start was a West Coast IPA, Um, but I used a little heavier malt bill Mm -hmm. that balanced a lot of the hops. It ended up having like, I think it was almost 80 IBUs, which you know if you put that number on other places, but uh, it's a fairly hoppy beer, but it really didn't taste that way. And I also like to focus more on the aromas as well it's not just about bitterness and hitting your palate over mm-hmm. and over again mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i like to focus on the aroma and the general overall like structure of the beer okay. that makes it more food friendly okay that makes uh, sense yep. so i don't i don't sit here and think what is this going to pair with but my general build is something that makes it naturally food
0: friendly okay very cool it's kind of how yeah. i gotcha yeah so Richard, when you're, when you're thinking about this stuff and I, and man, I mentioned, you know, you and I, uh, judge a lot of, uh, competitions. I usually am on the cocktail side. No, I'm always on the cocktail side yeah. and you're, you're usually on the food side. Uh, but you and I do this a lot together for, for different things. Uh, how do you, how do you think about pairing at being a chef coming from that angle? How do you think about flavor? What is it that you look for just in, in a general sense?
2: Yeah. I look for something exciting, man. I, I or, or things you're not expecting, you know, sometimes the unexpected is the most, you know, pleasing thing to the palate. Um, you know, uh, I, I think Rich does a lot of, does great with that, you know, talking about, you know, the aromatics of his beer and you eat a piece of food and you smell the aromatics of the beer coming through it. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, it's it's almost the five senses, like that smell, touch, taste, feel kind of thing. And I think that's what he does really good with his, his beers, which was one of the reasons why I like it. Um, you never know, you know what, what you're going to get. And and I like, give you an example, um, his uh, his cherry wheat beer. I was tasting. It's nice because it's not super fruity like you usually find like a cherry wheat. You know, like, you're, like you like know, I everybody's used to that Sam Adams cherry wheat. When you get it, it just tastes like somebody just threw grenadine in a bottle. Right, right, Or this where you get that nice sour on the end of it. It <laughs> tastes like cough syrup. Yeah, it tastes like cough syrup. <laughs> you right. I'm drinking Robotus. Right. Let's let's uh. have that guys. <laughs> but it's it's got such a nice aromatic flavor like you smelling the sweet cherries but then you're tasting the bitterness of the cherries and but you're still getting all that wheat in the beer itself which pairs really good you know with something like spicy or or some kind of you know ethnic uh, seasoning to it and i think things like that is, is what i really enjoy things that kind of bring the whole meal together when you don't expect it to
0: okay yeah very cool let's well since we're talking about the cherry wheat let's 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 do that um so you just kind of mentioned, Rich. What, what what's on your menu here that you might like to eat with the cherry wheat?
1: Um, I think it's more so. You know, the, looking at the beer itself, uh, you know, it's a it's a basic American wheat style. Okay. Um, yep. And uh, I use the tart cherry juice, so it does. But um, I didn't I didn't go as high as what they kind of recommended, um, because again, I like more balance and. I want, I want you to taste the cherry, but I don't want the only thing
0: for you to taste. Yeah, because, like, if, if, if you're—in this instance, I think, like Richard was saying, if it's sort of grenadine in a bottle, you're going to run over a wheat-style beer entirely.
1: Right, yeah. And then, um, you know, just kind of in the finishing hops, um, I was looking for—I ended up with uh, Idaho Gem, which— those notes are more dark, cher- dark cherry, dark fruit notes. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit of that, you know, in the beer structure itself, not just from the cherry juice. Right. Okay. Um, and so looking at the menu, I think, you know, uh, as a wheat beer, you want something lighter um, with it. You've got that fruit. So I think we have a crab and pear salad that I think would just – go really nice with that, you know, yeah. and that's the thing is like, you don't have to sit here and find like, you know, cherry on cherry or something like that Sure. sure. in general, like just those fruit notes, I think would, would complement really well. And, you know, the, being a lighter style beer, you still taste the crab, you'll still taste, uh, the, the salad and the vinaigrette
2: and yeah, the lemon right. and all that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And that, yeah. That, that's great because I mean, whoever thinks <clears throat> about pairing, you know, beer and salad, but it works. Right. It works. You know, you get like stone fruit goes really good with the dried fig because the dried fig, even though it's not, you know, uh, uh, stone fruit, it's got that sweetness that kind of mm. balances out the sweet half of the tart cherry. So it's a perfect blend. And you got the creaminess of, of the, uh, the, the the lemon vinaigrette with the feta and um, and, and the pear. I mean, it's, it's a great pairing. It right. makes total sense. And things like that, I think I would say expecting the unexpected.
0: You know can't go wrong with that can you no absolutely and and and, you know and and rich made a good point too where you know i think there's sometimes like if you you match notes like so we're saying cherry on cherry right that's fine Mm -hmm. but lots of times when maybe what we're looking for is something complimentary or something counterpoint correct also oh yeah and you know what i was actually kind of thinking with this and and certainly not maybe some of the heavier uh like americanized style stuff but uh you know i think like certain asian dishes like chinese food would go great Mm -hmm. with this wine personally Or why, excuse me, beer. <laughs> no,
2: no, I mean, uh, and I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's a great cheese pairing beer, too. Yeah, there you I go. Mean, I mean, totally, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I would, you know, it, it, any, any, you know, stinky, rustic cheese. Uh, like, I'd, I'd love to have that with a piece of Taleggio. I bet you That's i a great be banging. Idea. Yeah. would be banging with that. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. That's a great idea uh let's let's go back so let's go back to the um the berliner or or excuse me yeah the the belgian wit excuse me (laughs) tell us about that beer rich that
1: is that is my favorite style of beer um belgian wit has always been one of the things i i loved i know history on it um and so uh you get this really light it's basically it's just strictly wheat wheat malt and pilsner malt so it's about as light a wheat beer body as you can get um, very little hops, just very classic hops. Um, and the notes from, uh, really the flavor from the beer comes from the Belgian yeast, which gives it this little bit of tartness. A little this, bit of citrus. Yeah. yeah. Well, the citrus also, so we do uh, coriander and orange peel. Gotcha. And so okay, you get that is. herbal note with it. You get that citrus note to it. Um, a lot of people like to put a lemon in there. I'm not much for fruit in beer, um, but I like that. I, I, that's To me, that's a beer I can drink all year round. Um, all day long mm-hmm. um, and the kind of cool thing it's very receptive to additives in a sense like I could you, you could make a raspberry Belgian wit, you can make a blueberry Belgian wheat you can make a peach Belgian right, wheat you right. can add a lot of fruit to it and come up with really cool expressions of that beer just off the same base
0: yeah, it's, it's very nice and I think um, when you mentioned the orange peel it's, the orange peel is very subtle Mm-hmm. Um, the coriander, I definitely get that on there with that kind of that, that brighter note. Um, and definitely, you know, I know Belgian wits can, they can have some weight to them, right? But they're not necessarily, it's not a heavy beer ever. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's uh, very light in body. And so I think what you, I mean, I'm able to get a lot of the essence of the fruit that we're talking about in the coriander note uh, kind of coming through pretty predominantly. What do, you, what do you think, Richard? Oh, I
2: got the coriander right off the bat. and I, I, I love coriander. <laughs> you know, I got a soft spot in my heart for, for Belgian wit because I have brewed beer. And the first beer we did was a Belgian wit. And I called it Wit's End, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but and, and, and it's great because, it like like you said, it's light. But you got the got to keep going back and tasting the unexpected. The corn, the, the coriander, a lot of wits have it. You don't really get it out of that. You get it out mm-hmm. of this. And, so and
1: there's and, one other thing that I do that general Belgian wits don't have in there. Um, I put grains of paradise. Oh, which is a little bit of uh, basically almost like a peppercorn type thing, and so you get a little bit of that black pepper note Mm -hmm. on the end uh, that kind of just gives it an extra layer of flavor.
0: Okay,
2: yeah. Very. What would I'm 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 going curry all the way. Okay, we're going curry all the way. Um, you could do Latin too. You know, do do some uh, Spanish tapas with that. Would really pull it. out. I mean, this this is such a
1: versatile pairing beer because it's so light in body. You've got the citrus. You get all that notes. I mean, yeah, curry because it's mm-hmm. lighter and cleaner. um y- You know, any seafood, you get that citrus. It's a lighter. It, you can drink almost anything with it. I mean, you could you could do hot wings with that because it's such a light and clean yeah. and has a little bit of sweetness to it. You, yeah. Like, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I tell you, what, this one really good with that killer asperia that y'all did, Boy from Jazz oh, Fest. Yeah, this would. Man, you couldn't, that was, they did an amazing birria for, for Po' Boy Okay, Fest. yeah, yeah. That, uh-huh. And uh, they just kind of like hollowed out the bread and put everything in there. Yeah. And, and their chef was their first time making it. Man, it's my favorite Po' Boy. Nice. At, at the Fest all the time. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm waiting to see what they do next year. <laughs> right And then, you know, they, they, you know I'm, I'm voting for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I was making me kind of think like, um, like pineapple pulled pork with, with not too much barbecue mm-hmm. sauce going on. I think something like that would be really nice with that is that what do you point at? oh the jerk chicken yeah, yeah there you go The jerk okay. chicken would be perfect that they time. have on the menu here yeah. awesome yeah lovely beer and, and as you said rich it's a obviously a very versatile beer i mean i think it would certainly work well with things that have a certain amount of spies to them and stuff like that so, yeah um what's what's the what's this one the third that's
1: one? that's our english bitter um so uh you know again when brewing in you know how i'm how i kind of like to nudge people um you know, putting out our first lineup of beers, we did an IPA. um, We did the English bitter. uh, We did a Belgian blonde. And then we did a rye pale ale. Um, And I wanted something in that, you know, middle of the road. That's one thing that like, you know, when I go to other breweries, you see a lot of either all IPAs or a lot of Pilsners. And I miss that middle range of beers at places that kind of bridge the gap or have something for, if you don't want one of the two extremes. So, that was one thing I made sure that I I had to have, um, for somebody who wants an Amber ale, but like, again, I, I want to kind of make people try something new and see a different style. And so this is done, uh, in a way that's a little closer to an Amber ale, not very hoppy, but very smooth, very clean. You get that malt bill. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, that's kind of where I was going with that to, 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 to put that on there as sort of a substitute, like somebody like I drink Amber. Well, here, this is what you're going to like. This is kind of how you're going to, uh, this is how we nudge you into this, you, yeah, know, you know, outside it, your it, box. It, a little it's bit. A, it's a
0: really, it's a really great point. And I, uh, we talk a lot about wine on the show and I have a background in wine education. And I would always say to people that, um, I can, I can move you one degree. Right. And I would look at it two different ways, stylistically and price point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you're drinking a $15 bottle of California Chardonnay, I'm not going to get you to buy an $80 bottle of Barolo because one stylistically it's radically right. different and price mm-hmm. point it is radically different. But if you walk into a place and somebody, you know, the typical thing is, I, you know, what's your Chardonnay if you don't have a Chardonnay, but I may be able to get you to drink a Chenin Blanc. Right as an example, and mm-hmm. I think like what you're talking about here with the bitter is a really good example that an, an amber drinker is going to be happy mm-hmm. with this. And it's such a I mean I'm always, I've I've been a fan of bitter, uh, ESBS and stuff for a really long time. I think it's really lovely. What do you, What are yeah, your I, thoughts I, on this? I remember? think
2: I think the bitters are all coming back too. You know, mm-hmm. I, it was one of those things I think that you saw. You know people at like ESB and do that long years ago and nobody really got that and then with mm-hmm. you know the the, the the introduction of InBev buying over beers and then people trying new things you know people are, are, are more excited to try things and I you know it's an overall good beer and like you said I would put that with it you know in the same category as an amber with a little more characteristic to it
0: I like how it's not as malty as a lot of ambers yeah. are, frankly, because I sometimes find that ambers can be a little too malty for my taste. But
1: We've had, a, you know, uh, you know, we're, we just started in August, and we just started brewing our beer in November, so we're kind of get, still getting in our rhythm and rotation. So we've had some stuff drop off. We've had some new stuff pop on. Um, and, r- like, people who have come in here are like, just what's your lightest beer, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, you know visually what's the lightest beer we give them that and they're a little taken aback but that is really more what they want because it's very clean you get okay. some malt flavor to it it's not hoppy like that's the easy that's the easiest drinking beer that we have
0: see that's really interesting and it's sitting right smack dab in the middle of our flight right so right. Yeah, yeah yeah what uh, what jumps out of you about food pairing I, wise man
2: you know food pairing wise you can go anything anything with it you know it's it's I like this beer mainly because it just doesn't it doesn't bog you down. Mm-hmm. Like you can have two or three of them, so you, you can just open the whole thing. I mean, honestly, I don't think can go wrong with anything. I think okay. any, anything that you want, it's it's you know your perfect everyday beer. Okay, with, with little with little pizzazz to it. Gotcha. What do you think, Rich? Um, you
1: know, I you talked about wine pairings, and I know. I know a little bit about wine pairings, not as much as I do for beer, but, um, you know, and the, the, but there's the style of pairings, you know, you can contrast, you can complement. Um, but one thing also with, with wine is regional. Right. And so, you know, this is an English bitter. I think any type of like, you know, English shepherd's pie or something like that, that you're going to have, you know, um, yeah, sort of in that, in that range, like, you know, and I mean, I don't know if you're like, Again, when I brew, I spent years bartending, and I saw how people would drink beer. They would come in, and they would try some big IPA or some barrel-aged stout, and they would have one, and then they would switch over to something else. So my theory is you can sell them the first one, but I want to sell them the next six. Right. Okay. And so all these beers, like we can talk about food pairings, but you can also sit here and drink these without food. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of wines that you can, sure, that that are more sessionable, drinkable, and there's mm-hmm. ones that are much better with food. Right, but these are, uh, I think, you can kind of do both with yeah. these.
0: Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I think yeah. uh, it's very sessionable, as you said um, when you were talking about English food. Um, I think you know, especially in, maybe kind of by way of Louisiana. I think uh, with like the saltiness of fried fish. Yeah, I think would be really good with this. Like the fried I think, catfish I, I, would be really awesome. With in, it. In,
2: I think any fried bar snack. Yeah, perfect. perfect we you got know? the fungi
1: fingers
0: that put them
2: through. That's exactly defried. where I was going with that. Yeah, deep fried right. mushrooms. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially with the. Uh, the queso with the bacon on it—you can't go wrong, and it's great for just watching a game. You know, if I wasn't here watching one of your TVs and watching one of the games when the Saints win, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: uh-huh. which uh, week was that? Which was uh, <laughs> right. so—it's uh, been great being here. And no, um, no, I mean, and I think you're right. There, there, there are beers you can have one right after the other, and you're not going to feel bogged down. It's not like it's just sitting in your gut, and you're like, "Oh my God, I need to go to some," you know excuse expression, pee water beer that's, you know, right. tastes like water and it's like, you might as well be, you know, just drinking water instead. You can have this, have another one, have another one and you don't feel, you know, fatigue, mm-hmm. beer fatigue. I know no, we've mm-hmm. all had that after having, you know. You just you know, get bloated. And yeah, you just especially bloated. Especially
0: as I get older. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: well, let's do this, you guys. Let's take a little break here. Uh, we got a couple more beers to try. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, food pairing and we're sitting here with Rich and Richard at Calliope excuse me, Calliope (laughs) Beer Works. Hey, say it how you want it. Man, we're going to take a break. I'm going to drink some beer. Come on back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Brian D is here if you. Thanks for listening in to the NOLA Drink Show, friends. Uh, thanks to Rich here at Calliope Beer Works. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to make me laugh. Or Calliope Beer Works. As, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to say it. Uh, thanks for having us here, Rich. It's uh, great. I appreciate Good. the hospitality. Awesome appreciate telling. you guys coming. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about this, you guys. Um, we're going to taste a couple beers, but let me kick this to you, Richard. So when you're cooking, because I know you're, you know, you're a beverage guy at heart as well. Um, how do you, when you're really trying to think about things, maybe we can kind of go deeper down this road of like complementary taste versus counterpointing gotcha. tastes. And, and what do you kind of look for when you're, I mean, in just in a broad sense of preparing a beverage with food?
2: Remember, well, it, it just depends. For, for me, it kind of happens. Like I, I pick the beverage I want. Okay. And I usually crack it open as I'm cooking. And while I'm cooking, it gives me inspiration to put the food together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if you're cooking at home, that's a great, you know, great idea, one way to come around with, with your dishes. Um, but sometimes it, it doesn't have to be a, a marriage. You, know? uh, you have happy accidents a lot of times. And um, you know, I, I, th- I think that... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think sometimes kismet is the best way to go with when okay. you you know, just let, let it happen, see if it works, you know, let's stick to the wall and see, you know, and see, yeah, just yeah, see what
0: happens. Do you, do you, since, I mean, cause obviously we're talking about food and beer pairings and I mean, obviously when we talk about pairings, you know, most people would think wine first and foremost, right? Correct. Cause that's just sort of a right. classic thing. We've obviously seen a lot of um, cocktail dinners and cocktail pairings these days, and, and I mean, beer is a beverage. Beer has flavor. Beer has flavor notes. It has a flavor profile. But is there something that maybe is a little different to you when you're thinking about pairing well, food and I, I, beer than, th- say, the other two?
2: I think I think with beer, it's easier to pair with. Okay. Uh, I think with beer, you don't have the rules and in, in, in the, uh, um, you know, the whole backs as you would with wine or you know, like all the dogma that we've all, all had for, the dogma, for 500 yeah. years. 500 years, it's like, oh, you can't have red European wine with fish. fish. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, the things of that nature. I think with beer, you know, if 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 it's good food, it's going to go no matter what. I mean, you think beer, you think chicken wings, fries, fried stuff, all that stuff. Not necessarily so. You know, I, I, you know I, I've, I've had beers with cassoulet. It's been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's yeah, a yeah. great, it's, it's, it's basically but European chili, right? Right, you right. Know, But yeah, it works right. works out great with that, you know? Um, I think with the onslaught of things like, you know, ethnic foods like jerk seasonings or or, or Asian seasonings, or even, you know, just your standard old European uh, European street food, you know, like you mentioned chips and fish mm-hmm. earlier on. Now, pretzels, I mean, you know, mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. Got, you've got a great, uh, uh, Rich has got a great pretzel bite with cheese, with Creole mustard. That's phenomenal with this, and that's the great you know food you know to eat with beer. Beer can go with just about anything. I think there's less limitations with beer than you do with other foods.
0: That's a really good point, and and uh, and I'll kick to you in a second here, Rich, but I think it's really important to note this because I think you know we, one we talk about the dogma with wine, but two, beer really is a versatile thing. Like right, wine can be very challenging to pair with spicy foods, in many instances, right, unless we have residual sugar or a lot of acid and, and some things like that. Whereas beer actually. Goes great with spicy food. Awesome. Yeah, so I mean, what, do you do you kind of share the same thoughts, Rich? And I mean, I think beer
1: itself is easier. It's easier to pair because it has more elements. I mean, wine you have, you have tannins, you have acid, you have some sweetness, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know they're they're kind of like that. Those those are the that's it. And, and really,
0: they're, and they're kind of demanding in how the pairings work. Yeah, with tannins um, and stuff. And it,
1: but with beer, you know, you've got you've got a, a a bigger malt base so you've got different levels of sugar in there mm-hmm. um, you know you've got the hops which again can be aromatic can be bitter can be not as bitter mm-hmm. as some other ones um, and then the other thing too that like we don't think about when when you're pairing food is you've got carbonation so you've got this effervescence Right. right. so that in and of itself will help you clean up your palate to make a better pairing and so, uh, you know, like the fried chicken and champagne, that's, you know, it's, right, right. That, that, those, it's the bubbles that clean up, that fried, you know, you've got all of those great elements in a beer that you can play with and, and pair. And you've got so many little flavors and subtleties, you know, within the hops about what comes through, which ones are, you know, gonna be more citrusy and more aromatic, which ones are gonna be more herbal, and uh you know grassy notes um you've got the yeast which is going to bring different flavors in and of itself belgian yeast i mean i've got two belgian beers here that are you know completely different in style uh and bring two different kinds of flavor there's so many little things that you can do that you can find i, I heard the story i don't know if this actually happened but there's a um a test similar to a sommelier called the cicerone yes um And it's uh, there's three different levels and the mid level is fairly intense about how uh, what you learn. You learn all about, you know, the history of beer. You have to, you know, know about draft systems. You have to uh, know about, you know, the the process of brewing. um, But there's also a food pairing section. Hmm. And, you know, they basically kind of, you know, it's an essay and they give you this, you know, dish that they describe that has you know 10 different elements in there and they'll go through all the things and it's not necessarily to say which single beer would work but it's how you think about it that you you know grasp onto these elements and find corresponding options in beers to it and i they have like a number of different questions and you do that and i heard that someone just put budweiser for all of it <laughs> but the way he described it Worked because you have, you know, you've got a, a base, you've got the, a little bit of hoppiness, you've got the effervescence. And, and, and like for every beer, he just put Budweiser pair with it. And it, it, he technically wasn't wrong because yeah, right, he was able right. to explain it out. Yeah. <laughs> so.
2: right. That's pretty funny. Well, I think with beer, too, you don't get flavor fatigue. You know, mm-hmm. you go out and you have a glass of wine, and after a while, it, it just becomes you know, maybe too tanny after a while or too sweet. It just keeps going. Or if you're having a cocktail, you know, it just mm-hmm. gets too alcoholic after the end. And well, it,
1: it, there's, that's one thing that I, I, like I said earlier, people will try that big IPA and then switch to something else. And I think you can get fatigue. And I, we've talked a little bit about this, about sort of the IPA trend and how it's going and it's getting, it's gone too far bigger, rich, as we you said know, before we and, started, and, you know, it. bitter, you know, the, the, your, your bitter receptors are the longest refractory time. Right. So that's what hangs on your tongue the longest. And that's why it becomes harder to taste other stuff. And you're just getting bitter after bitter, the more you drink them. And then I tell people about like, if they want to try an IPA, I always say, if you want to get into IPAs, it might seem counterintuitive, but start with a double IPA because just by the nature of it, it's a higher malt bill, higher alcohol. It sort of forces itself to be a little bit more balanced. Okay. And so there are more hops, but it's more balanced. Mm -hmm. And instead of a, a, a lighter beer that can be a lot more out of, out of whack between the hop balance versus your malt bill.
0: That makes sense. I, you know, we, Rich, you and I were talking about that before we started recording about the, the IPA and just pushing hops in my view way too far. And I find that, I mean, to me, IPAs, when they're made in that style, it's, One of the hardest if not the hardest beer to actually pair properly with food Uh, just because of what you described because of just the bitterness from the hops it's 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 a barrier to things it reminds me actually guys of of like california chardonnay that so-called you know so called california chardonnay the buttery oaky malolactic fermentation all kinds of new wood that is the most difficult wine to pair in the world in my view because of that kind of flavor profile doesn't play nice with anything Mm -hmm. and it kind of like you know you you don't get the benefit of the acid you don't get the benefit of the alcohol coming through on it and some things like that so i I think ipa is kind of uh it's sort of the same role to me And, and to your point richard also like with cocktails Um, You know, I'm a cocktail guy, but I tend to not like to drink cocktails with food. I like to have cocktails before and after because I find that they can be just really heavy and overwhelming in the situation.
1: Well, I mean, just the the alcohol burn kind of can can numb your tongue. Yep. And exactly. You know, I I find cocktails very when, when I see people having a cocktail dinner. I'm like, yeah, not really a
2: cocktail dinner. Yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not a, it's, not a fan. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially when drinking the expensive stuff, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Know, like, exactly. It's, it's a waste. Yeah. Tell us about this beer, Rich.
1: Uh, so that's our Scotch Ale. Um, and, you know, the, it, people kind of some people know about it. Some people don't. Um, they're you know, they uh, this is a 70 shilling. Um, so the grades in Scotch Ale um, are kind of based on the weight and the shilling comes from the tax that it used to be. Um, So most American style Scotch ales that you get are the wee heavy, they're a little higher alcohol, a little bigger. This one's again, you know, I do it a little bit more balanced, a little lighter, Um, but it's that European style. It's a nice like warmer, a little heavier, but not gonna weigh you down kind of thing. It's perfect for, you know, weather today, that little little cooler, little overcast sort of, uh, you know, comfort type of beer.
0: I've had most of the Scotch yells I've had tend to be a lot heavier than this. So I, I kind of associate those with being more like a winter kind of beer. Right. And not an not Louisiana winter yeah, beer. Yeah, right. But like a, <laughs> yeah. a winter What's beer. Winter? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Those, those two weeks we had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> what do you think about this one?
2: Um, I, I like it, man. This, this one just screams cold cuts to me. Oh, yeah. There uh, you oh, go. yeah. I mean, you give me this is the pastrami sandwich. I'm happy. That's, that's perfect with that, you know. I mean, you could even peppers, poblano peppers. As a matter of fact, I think you got something with the portobello sandwich. Mm-hmm. The poblano sandwich would be perfect. Yeah, with this, mm-hmm. um, I, I think this is.
1: Um, yeah, the body is a little sweeter, yeah. so the, that heat will balance nicely. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I my uh, my take on you know some food pairings, you know, is, is especially with spicy. Is I I like to go sweeter with it i think the belgian wit works with spicy yep. i think this would work with spicy um i think people who kind of there are people who like to do ipas and hot wings you know i think they're sadistic <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a whole thing because if yeah. you're just
0: amplifying the burn right. with the hops it's it's the same thing with the alcohol burn that you get with with wine and spicy food
2: yeah yep. Bra- braised short ribs Oh, there you It'd go. Awesome right. That yeah. yeah. would be awesome with this. This would be awesome with this. A little of, bit of like a spicy barbecue sauce. A spicy little barbecue sauce on that. Um, I mean that would be i would be in heaven if I had that. Yeah. yeah. That's, Mexi- that's, Mexican that's food. Mexican food. Mexican food I yeah. think
0: would do really well with this also. Um, Thai food I think would do really well on this because there is there's a bright there's a brightness to the beer also. Right. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, let's do let's do the last one here, guys.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, this is a Black Saison. This is the one beer I get the most questions about because it's not anything people really have ever seen um it's uh, so we, we took a traditional saison t-
0: tell people what that is just so, so they
1: a saison is a um I'll, I'll do two stories here for two for one for you mm-hmm. um a saison is a french countryside style and it basically came from uh, you know the 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 countryside belgian and and france um when the farmers were done with selling their grain, whatever they had left over, you couldn't waste it, so you made a beer with it. So it's a very loose interpretive style um, because some areas might have more wheat, where some areas might have more rye, just based on what they had left over and what they did. Um, but the kind of main characteristic is the, comes from the yeast. It's this funky note, and people like to call it horse blanket. Um, it's kind of that like barnyard, barnyard. smell, <laughs> um, kind of thing. And so, uh, we were, um, people had been asking for a darker beer, but again, there's only two weeks of winter in here. Uh, so I wanted to do a lighter style of beer, but still have that dark chocolatey flavor, some of that roastiness, which then goes really well with that sort of funky barnyard note. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we, uh. That's what I put together, and I think it came out really great. I I'm really happy with this beer. It's a, uh, it's very unique. It you can you can pick out the chocolate, you can pick out some of the roastiness, but yep. you can still
2: get some of that flavor from it, from it, the yeast and from the rest. You're gonna think I'm crazy, man, but I would pair this with something with a Nutella. Uh, right, you with know, it with the, like the chocolatey. Uh, nut. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So we have a, awesome. a uh, the Collis on our uh, dessert with a chicory coffee reduction. And oh, okay. that yeah, is perfect. just perfect with it um, but also you know what like I I've had it with the burger because it's, it's grilled and you get that similar roasty grilled note to it and yeah it like, works too you, know, you char well, off the grill right yeah, yeah. We,
0: yeah you, it's funny that you say that rich because that was what popped into my head and then I started thinking because that that roasty note is, is really prevalent but I get a little bit of that that kind of pepper. Note on it too, so I mean, I, I'm thinking like you know, just a nice cast iron seared steak yeah. would mm-hmm. do really well with this. Right. With, with with like with, with like peppercorns on it, right? So you right. get a little bit of bite because mm-hmm. there is some sweetness to this too, I think as well. And I think that steak would just steak au poivre. It. There you go, buddy. Steak au poivre, <laughs> <laughs> we, we had that Saturday night for dinner. My household was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I think that would that would go fantastically with this. I think anything, any really anything off the grill. I think uh, you know barbecued chicken would be really good with this also. Yeah.
2: I, I think you know all, all all the beers that Rich has I mean they're they're good with anything. they're good by themselves, they're good with food. you, you, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. you know it's it's just a
0: it makes you happy. there you go. so mm-hmm. do you think do you guys in in your observation? And I know like we the circles that we run in, like the idea of pairing beer and food is not a weird thing or it's not a strange thing or a foreign thing or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's something that's been going on for a long, long time. It's not something that's novel per se. But do you find that people, especially maybe coming in here, Rich, because you have a nice menu in here, you know, technically you're a restaurant, right. as we were talking about, and so the beers are served on premise here. Uh, do you find that people are kind of opening up to it more and there's more intrigue with the dish in the glass?
1: Uh, I think people are thinking about it more. Um, I think... I think what they're finding is what they they're finding more options and they're discovering what really works. And I think like kind of some of those, they're having an aha moment, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you, and we've all had them that when you hit that right pairing, like when we were talking about the barrier that we did yeah. and the rye pale ale that we had, that was perfect. Yeah. And we all kind of like, aha. wow, <laughs> this. we had that aha moment with it. And I think, people have had beer with food and they never thought about it. But now when you're coming into places that are a little bit more specialized and even your regular places that are, are carrying more craft beer and having more options, you're, you're able to to find something that works better. And there it might be by accident. It might be by asking someone. It, it might just be like, oh, I like this and I like this. And the reason I like these two things is because they work together they're similar flavors but i think more people are getting those aha moments um they might be backing into them and again if you <laughs> right, right. Okay. but you know coming to a place you know like here you know you can talk to us you can talk to our staff about you know kind of what's going on with them mm-hmm. and you know i'm i'm here all the time pretty much uh, so uh i love talking about beer i love the educational portion of it like i said you know the reason i brew these little Slightly off center styles um, is to nudge people to give them a new experience with it. So I think having people are becoming more open to
0: to yeah, right, okay,
1: without really realizing it. And so talking to the right people, and they're starting to ask the questions. That's good.
0: And, I, and I'm going to ask you to chime in on this in a second, Richard, but I always think with pairing back when I would do wine education in particular that I think what a lot of people don't necessarily understand or know is, or maybe don't think about it this way is probably a better way to put it. You know, the idea is a, a good pairing is supposed to elevate both things. Mm-hmm. And there's two, three there's three different ways this can go, right? I can actually, four different ways. I can have both things be really crappy, <laughs> right? Um, I can have the food be good, but maybe not so it doesn't do much for the beverage. You can swing that in the other direction where maybe it actually does something for the beverage, but it doesn't do much for the <laughs> food. The idea is that we need them both to elevate each other to actually have a winning pairing. Uh, and and I think that, that people are starting to understand that a little bit more, and lots of times it's taking, in my mind, the deeper step of not just saying, you know, like you were saying earlier, white wine with seafood, red wine with red meat. we we got to dig a little deeper than that to win the game and elevate both things.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree. And I, and I think Rich has got a great idea by doing some of the stuff that's not – you know, roads less traveled, not much sought after. And I think that's the reason why you want to try different breweries, different beers, because they've got something that somebody else doesn't have. You know, I mean, if, if everything was, you know, I hate to use, I'm not comparing with McDonald's, but if everything was McDonald's, no one would care about any other fast food chain. It would be all the same stuff. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to come out and try different things and, 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 and get a different, you know, experience is a great thing. And I think, you know, to add on to what you said, is that um, it's 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 hard to to get to that point where you know what are you what are you trying to emphasize you know the food or or the or, or the uh, the drink and all and all that and I think if you got a problem I want both man I want both <laughs> I want both too I want both and I think that's the great thing about with beer because with beer you can have both mm-hmm. you know and and you can have with the food or without the food that's the other thing to that not just pairing but pairing without. Maybe you're pairing beer with beer, you right. know. You, right. you that's you. You had a big dinner somewhere <laughs> else. You had a hard day. You want some good. I beer. I want a beer with a beer back, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know, beer is not meant to be set in a, in, a, in a dark, dank place. You know, smoking cigarettes, and you know, who cares? I want to have beer that tastes like something, something that's going to excite my palate. You know, get all five senses and really enjoy and have an experience of it. Have the aha moment like Rich talked about and be excited about drinking something that normally I wouldn't pick or something that's not typical of, of that. Like you were talking about the IPA, um, and, and and that's what I love too. You know, you, not every there's, a di- difference why people do different things different ways because you want to try something different, something unique, something that's going to be delicious. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Well said. Um, Richard, where, I mean, I know you're kind of doing it. Normally, I would kick it to you and say, you know, like, where do we find you cooking in the kitchen, man? But, uh, but My house tonight around 7 <laughs> o'clock.
2: Uh, <laughs> I think tonight's menu is leftovers. Uh. That sounds awesome. So
0: pe- people may just see you out uh, in a restaurant near you kind of giving advice and uh Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. More or less. Mm-hmm. Very you cool. Know? And uh, at a cocktail and food judging competition near uh, you as yeah, well.
2: Yeah, we'll probably see each other in one of those, too. I'm, I know we've got a food fight coming up pretty soon. Yeah, I think, but... I think we'll be seeing each other then, <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Man.
0: Cool. Well, Rich, do me a favor, man. Tell people how they find you here at uh, Calliope, Calliope, Calliope Beer Works, Works uh, on yeah. Oak Street, man. And give us yeah. the whole you know, address, hours, website, yeah, all of all. So we're
1: 8801 Oak Street. We're all the way down at the end, right before the train tracks. Um, uh, website is uh, calliopebeerworks.com. We've got Instagram. We've got Facebook, both Calliope Beer Works um and uh we're closed monday tuesdays but open the rest of the week uh f- open for lunch friday saturday sunday
0: oh, very cool awesome thank you very much i appreciate it uh, it's been a pleasure guys uh i think we're gonna i'm gonna take a little break here brief musical interlude i'll be back to close things out i'm gonna finish off my, my beers sounds good thanks guys Thanks, you All right, everybody. thanks again for listening to the program. I uh, hope you found that very, very interesting. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Calliope Beer Works, unfortunately, is shutting down. Again, I want to thank Rich Sidlow for being so hospitable, sharing his beers and his knowledge and his passion for both beer and food and beer pairing. And of course, my friend, Chef Richard Papier for participating as well. So thanks to them. And again, under these circumstances, uh, it's tough and uh, I feel, you know, uh, it's just a sad thing. and I feel uh, really bad for Rich. Uh, I hope he lands on his feet and uh, I'm sure he will. He's a talented beer maker and I'm sure the future will hold something great for him. But you know, here's a here's a quick little take home message for you. Buy local friends, drink local friends, get out and support. Your local breweries, your local distilleries, your local wineries, if you got them in your area, certainly your local restaurants and other hospitality spots. We know here in New Orleans that, look, we are a hospitality-driven town. We also know that we're a seasonal town. We also know that there's all kinds of barriers to doing business in New Orleans that makes it, you know, can make it very difficult for these types of spaces to, to make it. And Calliope Beerworks, unfortunately, is just the latest victim of it. But one of the things that, especially here in New Orleans, and I know this goes in so many other places around the United States and certainly around the world, is what keeps these places afloat is the patronage from local residents, Right. I think it's really acute here in New Orleans. We've talked about this a lot on the program that, you know, we are a seasonal town. And so, you know, we get a lot of tourists in town in the spring and in the fall and to a certain degree over the holidays, you know, in Mardi Gras. But then like over those summer months and sometimes in between these little mini seasons that we have, it's really, really difficult. And, you know, one of the things that we've also talked about recently on the show, I'm reminded of the show we did the last one in 2023 with Neil Bodenheimer and Kirk Estopinall of Kirco. Man, last summer was tough. It was really hard. It was harder than pretty much anybody thought it was even going to be. We knew it was going to be tough, but I don't think anyone was prepared for how tough this past summer was. And I think it's a confluence of factors. Certainly, living in a post-pandemic world had a lot to do with it. The seasonality had a lot to do it to do with it, excuse me, challenges in the economy had a lot to do with it. Just the fickle nature of the hospitality had a lot to do with it. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that it just has made it incredibly difficult for people to survive. It's also very difficult for hospitality spaces to make it just in a general sense, because their margins are really, really small. You may think a restaurant's very, very successful because they have a lot of butts and seats, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily raking in the cash. So... Anyway, we don't have to take a deep dive on this. We've done that plenty on the show before. We will do it plenty of times again. But I do encourage you when you can to get out and and support your local hospitality institutions and your local brands. Now, sure, there's all kinds like, you know, here in in Louisiana, there's not a big wine situation being produced locally. There's a smattering. But, you know, and and so, you know, I I get it. You're not going to buy a lot of wine from Louisiana. It just makes sense. But there are certain things like beer is really, really well represented in New Orleans and Southeast Louisiana. Spirits are pretty well represented here in Southeast Louisiana and New Orleans and the broader Gulf South region. Same goes for beer. So you know that you have a lot of great choices of things that you can buy in the store or order when you're out at a hospitality spot. There you go, double down, go to a local hospitality spot and order a local beer or a local distillate and check it out. It's just so critical, and especially in these summer months that are not going to be too far away after we get out of festival season here, friends, uh, it's going to be upon us. And it's going to be really, really critical that when we can, if you can afford it, if you can do it, choose to buy local and support local when you can. It's so important to our economy, and it's incredibly important to our culture Right. As I said a moment ago, we export hospitality here, right? And it's woven into the fabric in Southeast Louisiana and New Orleans as part of who we are as a culture. It's not, you know, and it's basically inextricably linked to our economy, as I've said. So it's just so critical that we support it because it is our lifeblood in so many ways. It is an expression of our culture. It gives people jobs, it provides money to the economy, and it Shows just a greatness of creation, which is something that we thrive on here in New Orleans, right? Also mixed with great stories, which is something else we love here in New Orleans. There is no place on Earth that is better than this part of the world to go out, have a great meal, have a great drink, have good laughs, and hear a great story than in New Orleans. We need to preserve it. We need to protect it. And that really depends on all of us to get out there and support these places as much as we possibly can. As I mentioned at the top of the show, also friends, uh, we have some really couple really good shows coming up for you. Uh, we're gonna have, hopefully more than a couple good shows coming up for you, but uh, yeah, two that we just taped very very recently. As a matter of fact, this week as I'm taping uh, this segment for you and the opening segment at the top of the show. Uh, let's see, we the first one is, that'll be coming up in about two weeks is we chat with Lynette Marrero and Ivy Mix to uh, legends in the bartending world and also the co-founders of Speed Rack. We've talked about Speed Rack before. Speed Rack is a wonderful organization that's based around bartender competitions for women, and it gives women a platform in the bartending world, has done so much to create opportunities for women in the bartending world. I don't. Want, if you don't know about it, I don't want to spoil it because we talk a lot about it on the show. Uh, they've got a cocktail book coming out, which is really, really fantastic. It actually draws from the Speed Rack community all kinds of wonderful restaurants. Recipes, tips, hit. Hints, all that kind of good stuff in there. So we also talk about the book and all. uh, Most of their proceeds, or their proceeds as they support charities, go to supporting worthy causes, fighting breast cancer. So again, Lynette Marrero and Ivy Mix of Speed Rack on the next show, the show after that, we're going to be welcoming back my friend Jackie Summers, who is the proprietor of Sorel Liqueur, the very fine Caribbean-inspired liqueur that is just truly wonderful. We did, we we've had Jackie on before in various uh, guises, if you will. We've talked about Sorel before. Uh, Jackie is an activist in the community. He is the first black. Uh, legal, let me get this right, legally licensed black distiller post-prohibition in the United States, uh, and that is Sorel LaCour, of course. And so, uh, but uh, Jackie being an activist in the industry, um, he's done lots of great things with tales of the cocktail we've done shows with Jackie, as he's put together wonderful panels addressing social issues, issues excuse me, in the drinks business and the hospitality industry. So you can go back, go to noadrinks.com catch all kinds of really great, important uh, shows, really, that feature Jackie. This time around, yeah, we're just kind of revisiting the Sorrel story, but, of course, it ties in so much to what I was just talking about, about equity and inclusivity and so on and so forth in the drinks business, and this time, uh, it's not just Jackie talking about Sorrel, but uh, we have a couple folks from his team, uh, including Josh Davis, and Josh uh, represents Sorel in the Midwest for Jackie, uh, but Josh, importantly, is also the founder of Brown and Balanced, which is an amazing organization that advocates for black bartenders uh, here in the United States. And they have all kinds of terrific programs. They do great work. So not only do we talk about Sorrel and some of these other connected topics to it, uh, but related to that, we talk about Brown and Balanced as well. So it's a really interesting show as it relates to liqueurs, the Sorrel story, and really, really so much more. And that'll be the show. out. That'll be out in about three weeks, maybe uh, three to four weeks from now depending on when you're hearing this friend so be on the lookout for those and uh yeah hey we're here at festival season mardi Gras is over right hope everyone had a great carnival now we're on the doorstep of festival season here coming into the spring in the new orleans area so friends remember to be kind to one another use your turn signal put your shopping cart up and when you're supposed to hit reply all until next time cheers y'all